When Rose's little sister comes to town, she is not excited. Rose has always felt like her sister had it out for her, that she was building a campaign against her so that Rose would feel left out. The girls do not believe her or that her sister is fooling with Blanche's bow. So will Rose be vindicated? Will her sister get busted? Will Sophia ever find Dreyfus the dog after losing him? All of that and more in today's episode, Little Sister. Thank you for the friendship. We've come so far and traveled wide. Oh, you're my best friends. I could never lie. I love when we party, dance, and sing. And laugh just doing our things. No matter the mysteries. Today's title might just be inspired by the literal story being about Rose's little sister, or it could come from Elvis's little sister. But in that song, they talk about smooching, so it's probably not the same. Asleep on the couch, Dorothy in linen pants and a white and pink sweater combo is only awake enough to smell the breath of her hairy male visitor. And no, it's not Stan. The stink has her assuming it's Sophia, whose breath is rank from a fish sandwich. It isn't until Sophia comes scampering in, calling out for Dreyfus, our favorite TV dog, once again being played by Bear, that Dorothy awakes to realize that he is next to her and she is not happy about it although she shouldn't have been surprised since the coffee table had been moved to make room for him. Worked up about the dog, Sophia calms Dorothy down. She just so happened to have run into doctor and neighbor Harry Weston. As they got to chatting, Harry told Sophia that they were in need of a dog sitter as the family was leaving town, so she offered. Dorothy wants her to unoffer, and not just because she has those feelings towards canines. Sophia asks her, What, I'm so irresponsible? to which Dorothy says yes. Oh, and Sophia's just too forgetful. Also a yes. Too irresponsible. Dorothy reminds Sophia that she has already mentioned that one. Sophia wasn't forgetting what she said. She was making a point by repeating herself, much like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did with his August 28, 1963 speech at the March on Washington, I Have a Dream, where he uttered the now famous phrase a total of eight times. Besides Sophia's forgetfulness and irresponsibility, Dorothy flat out doesn't trust her. Sophia always bites off more than she can chew, and Dorothy ends up picking up the pieces. Or, I guess, chewing them. This time, it isn't Dreyfus barking, it's Dorothy. Okay, let me tell you how this is going to work. If you don't get up and walk out of here right now, I am going to burn this whole place to the ground with you in it. And she will not be the one dealing with this dog. Using her best weapon, guilt, Sophia reminds Dorothy that she nearly died during childbirth. The pain was so bad she had to bite down on a towel. And no, there was no hospital in the picture. Dorothy was birthed on a card table used for pinochle in a bar. Now, there is a real McSorley's pub in New York. It's not in Brooklyn, but in NoHo. 
So if you live around there, please let us know if there's a pinochle table enshrined to honor Dorothy's birth. I don't even know. Is pinochle a, a card game? It's a two-person card game. Hmm. It sounds like a yard game. Well, I played a lot by myself when I was a child, so I didn't play a lot of those games. <laughs> oh, a two-person game? I'm unfamiliar. Uh, I guess I, no, I'll do Operation again. I guess I'll play Solitaire Rubik's once more. Rubik's Cube or Simon Solo. <laughs> My greatest nemesis. I hate Simon. Oh, I love Simon. No. We should get a Simon. It'd be good for our memories. Mm, Keep our no, brains. No, I don't want one. <laughs> I don't even want it here. No, you can get one. I don't care. I don't care. But I won't play with it. I bet you would. If there was one sitting around, you would play with the Simon. You're denying yourself if you're saying no. That's not true. Simon. Johnny. You're the challenge of a lifetime. I want you, Simon. Simon. Once again, we do compete. You're the one I have to be. One of us must face the heat. you would please go. Thank you, Simon. If you replace that with a bop it, it's true. <laughs> I've seen that firsthand. Yeah, but not a not a Simon. Is it the stress or the noise? It's impossible the... to beat. I'm I am not well. I'm not very good at it, so that's mm. that's most of it. It's like a Rubik's cube. I can't do it. Oh, so Rubik's I hate cubes it. can go die in a fire. I hate Rubik's Cubes. See? So much. Man, that looks easy. Have it. Sure, it looks easy. Pop it. But it's not. Whoa, it's getting faster. If you can't keep up with it, you lose. With it. You blew it. My turn. Once you get your hands on Pop it, you're not going to want to stop it. Fast-talking electronic Pop it. Batteries not included. And yes, Dorothy was born in a bar because it's not like they were members of the Etna family. Edna is a current insurance provider in the U.S. It's also the name of a mountain and city in Sicily, and it's the name used for ancient Sicilian nymphs. Oh. I'm sorry to say that my research didn't turn up any famous families, so I guess we can just assume that the Etnas were rich and famous. The Petrillos were so poor... <clears throat> How poor were they? The closest Sal ever got to going to a hospital was to deliver ice. Hey. Oh, hey. oh, 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 forget about that. Oh, no matter what stories Sophia tells, Dorothy will not be falling for her guilt trip. Trying another form of guilt, Sophia apologizes, saying she was just hoping that this would be a chance, perhaps her last, to earn Dorothy's respect. She takes the guilt a little too far by slowly walking toward the kitchen, claiming that she will be ending her life by sticking her head in the oven and breathing in the natural gas. To stop her mother from self-harm, Dorothy agrees to give Sophia a chance at the dog sitting. Instead of her agreement being met with joy, Sophia immediately asks if Dorothy will take Dreyfus out on a walk. Holding tight to her boundaries, Dorothy refuses. Just as Sophia starts to leave for the kitchen with Dreyfus, Blanche and her date come back home, and she's confused as to why there's a big, hairy beast in her house. Turning the question into one about her date, Sophia tells her it's because he bought her dinner. Blanche, in all bright blue, quickly bids adieu to her date Gary, who is wearing a cream suit and light pink shirt, an outfit inspired by the Kmart Southern Preacher line. With some weird little kisses, Gary is gone. And apparently he's been around for a while as Dorothy is on a half-first-name basis with him, saying, Bye, Gare. Dorothy's impressed by how serious Blanche seems to be about the guy. For Blanche, he is perfect. 
He's rich because he owns four of the biggest funeral homes in Miami. Between age and the current heat wave, well, he's got money and bodies coming down the pike. Before Dorothy can condemn Blanche's joy for the amount of death Gary is profiting from, Rose comes in. Wearing a smart black skirt, green blouse, and a long green jacket with darker green squares, she's wondering if her sister has arrived yet. The girls are surprised to learn they are to expect company. They shouldn't be. Rose left a note on Dorothy's bathroom mirror, a note that Dorothy didn't see because Rose wrote it in the steam. Paralyzed by Rose's stupidity, Dorothy is at a loss for words, so Blanche picks up the conversation. This is when we learn it's not only Rose's younger sister who is coming to town, but it's a sister that she doesn't like. I didn't know Rose was capable of such feelings, especially toward a family member. Rose feels bad for not liking her sister, but it's just been the nature of their relationship for as long as she can remember. It's funny to imagine any kind of strife in the Lindstrom household. I figured they would all be getting along like the Waltons. Apparently, unlike her feelings in the fourth episode of the series, The Transplant, hating your sister is not just a Southern thing. The girls ask why the sister is even coming by if they don't get along. Well, she happened to be in town as she is a world-renowned flautist. But no, Dorothy, that doesn't mean she plays the flute, you idiot. It means she plays the flout, a flout being a tuba-like instrument with hair. As feisty as Rose was coming off of her prescription medication, she barks that of course it's the flute, as if she wouldn't come up with something as ridiculous as the flout. After an apology, scared, Rose asks that the girls help her through this, and before she can open the door, she lets out a, God, I hate this woman. Revealing her sister, we find a tall, thin Scandinavian woman in a black and blue checkered skirt, a black and blue vest thing over a high-collared white shirt, and a long jacket of black and blue, but this time, flowers. Not wanting formal introductions, Holly shows off that she's been paying attention, because I guess she and Rose chat on the phone, despite how they feel about each other, and she wants to meet everyone herself. Rapidly approaching Dorothy, Holly throws out some adjectives. Attractive, witty, fun to be around. It's Dorothy. Blanche is smart, sexy, and very fashionable. Holly did get them right, although Dorothy could have lived with being called sexy or smart. Blanche points out she does live with sexy and smart. Her. When Sophia finally comes back, Holly goes at it again. She is zesty, feisty, full of old world charm. Not moved by Holly's delight, Sophia counters. She's mopey, dopey, and full of crap. This must be Rose's sister. Looking to Holly, she warns her to tread lightly. This is her turf. Although Sophia wasn't in the room for the whole conversation about the note being on the mirror or that the sister was coming, so how did she know that Holly was Rose's sister? She's jolly. She's tally. She's Holly. This must be Inga Swenson. Inga was a Broadway and television star. She got her TV start on Soap, for which she was Emmy-nominated. She was also on Bonanza a few times, where we learned that she was Haas's mother. She was also the German housekeeper on Benson, leading many to believe she was actually German. She also appeared in Hotel, Newhart, Life with Louis, and Barnaby Jones. Her most famous work, and perhaps most dramatic, is as Helen Keller's mother, Kate, in The Miracle Worker. What is it? What's happening?
Betty and Inga shared the screen back in 1962 in the film Advice and Consent. Sadly, Inga passed away just this last July at age 90. It's been, well, who knows how long it's been, but it's a new day and we're in the kitchen with Blanche. Dressed in a lead-gray blouse and pants, she's using lead to sketch, hopefully a new children's book. She's distracted by her work when Sophia, in light purple pants, a pink and blue pastel button-up, and dark teal cardigan, comes snooping around. Hunched over and peering around every corner, she is clearly looking for something. It's when she lifts up the tablecloth that Blanche is compelled to ask her what she's trying to find. Her? Oh, nothing. Blanche doesn't buy it, and Sophia quickly cracks. She can't find Dreyfus. When Blanche asks if he's run away, it leaves Sophia no choice but to seize the opportunity for sarcasm. No, he didn't run away. They just had a fight, and they're going through a trial separation. Of course he ran away. Come on, where is Dreyfus anyway? Dreyfus! Dreyfus! Come on, you skinny little thing, get in here! (laughs) Tracing her steps, Sophia can say with confidence that Dreyfus went missing sometime before 10.15 that morning and the previous Thursday. Sheesh, Harry, how long are you planning on being gone? Drive. Blanche is shocked that Sophia has no memory of seeing Dreyfus since Thursday. She shouldn't be. Sophia doesn't have any memories since last Thursday. Now that it's Sunday, we think, there is no telling what all could have happened in that time. Drive. Besides finding the dog, Sophia hopes she's not pregnant with Steve Garvey's baby. Ready for some tea? From 1969 to 1987, Steve Garvey was the first baseman on the San Diego Padres and L.A. Dodgers. More entertaining than his baseball career was his personal life. When he was 22, he was married to Cynthia Truhan. They had two kids. She ditched him for a composer. That was fine with Steve because he was already boning his secretary. Years later, Steve impregnated Cheryl Moulton. I don't know the extent of their relationship. This was from Wikipedia, after all. But he was unfazed by the news of a third child because he was more focused on his relationship with Rebecca Mendenhall. He proposed to Rebecca, and as he did, he mentioned his pregnant ex, Cheryl. You're a dirtbag! Rebecca said yes to the proposal in November of 1988, and just a few months later, she too was pregnant. The two never married because Steve soon called off their wedding after learning of the pregnancy, and then he dumped her. Their child was born that fall. The following January, Steve was engaged to Candace Thomas. They had a bachelor-esque affair going to President Bush Sr.'s inauguration and the Super Bowl. At the same time, Steve started a lawsuit against Cynthia, his ex, for partial custody. His two daughters went to court to say they did not want to be around their father. His money then went to child support. Steve and Candace eventually married and had three children of their own. He also had his previous three, and Candace had one of her own, so they became a little tumultuous Brady Bunch. In October of this year, he announced that he's running for Senate in 2024. He is for school choice and pro-more cops on the street. On the plus side, he claims to be for compassionate support of the houseless community, but he's a Republican, so we'll see. And that's the story of Steve Garvey and his babies. After the audience laughs and Blanche and Sophia stop thinking about Steve, Blanche offers to help. Once the girls get home, they can go canvas the neighborhood to try to find Dreyfus. Sophia appreciates the offer, but she cannot risk Dorothy finding out. After the fit she had about her being irresponsible, this would be the nail in the coffin. 
Reaching for Blanche's hands, Sophia begs her to promise that she won't say anything. Sophia is relieved that Blanche agrees to keep quiet. Now she won't have to blackmail or punish her with the information she has about Blanche and a pair of twins who were studying to become rabbis. Blanche does have a thing for men of the cloth. What? Sitting on the couch in a blue dress reading a magazine is Rose. Answering the door after the bell rings, she finds Gary, who is stopping by to drop off some earrings he found in his car. They must have simply slipped off of Blanche's petite ears. Playing Gary is Jerry Harden. He may look familiar to you because he is. We saw him all the way back in season one, episode 20, where he played pervy Professor Cooper, who made a nasty move on Blanche. Acting since 1958, Jerry has been in everything, maintaining an acting career for 65 years. He had roles in Ironside, Gunsmoke, Earthquake, The Oregon Trail, Beretta, Little House on the Prairie, WKRP in Cincinnati, Rockford Files, Bosom Buddies, Cujo, Highway to Heaven, Miami Vice, Twilight Zone, Big Trouble in Little China, Dallas, Matlock, Knott's Landing, Who's the Boss, The Firm, Melrose Place, Ghosts of Mississippi, Jag, Are We There Yet, Cold Case, The Middle, Throb. And Lala. Rose offers to go get Blanche from the kitchen, but Gary doesn't want to bother. Sitting Rose on the couch, he explains that he would actually like to talk to her because he finds her so attractive. As Gary goes on about how Rose is so much more beautiful than the other women he's around, she reminds him that most of the women he's around are corpses. Putting his hand on Rose's leg, Gare has the nerve to ask Rose out, with Blanche just on the other side of the kitchen door. When Rose asks about her, he says that Blanche should be left out of it, unless they all want to get weird together. Shocked and appalled, Rose rebuffs his advances. Coming into the living room with a basket of flowers, Blanche is surprised to see Gary there. She is not surprised, for some reason, to find him sitting so close to Rose. Using the earrings as an excuse, Gary plays it off and acts like he wasn't making a move on Rose at all. Without haste, the earrings are returned, plans for Saturday are confirmed, and Gary is gone. With a joke, Blanche tells Rose that she might be trying to steal her boyfriend. Rose pleads her innocence, of which Blanche is aware. Which is why Gary wants to go out with Blanche, because she's far from innocent. Not directly saying, hey, your dude just put hands on me and asked me out. Rose calls him an oversexed, lewd, horny, five-handed beast, which is why Blanche is going out with him. Looking at the time and giving up on warning her friend about her yucky boyfriend, Rose is surprised Dorothy and Holly are still out. After spending a day with her sister, Rose is indebted to Dorothy. 
Unlike Rose, Blanche doesn't hesitate to voice her concerns directly, and she cannot understand why Rose feels how she does towards her sister. On all three occasions that Blanche had spent time with Holly, she's been enjoying herself. Why, just the night before, they had a lovely meal at Antonio's. Because the restaurant was so close to Rose's office, Holly called to see if she could join, but was told that Rose was gone, even though she was still there. Just on time, it's the opposite twins. Both Dorothy and Holly are wrapped up and entangled in fabrics upon fabrics upon droopy necklines upon jackets and vests. Dorothy's color scheme is more of a wild horse's coat of rust and tan, but if the coat had been left on a grill. Holly's color scheme is quite opposite of Dorothy's. She has yellows and turquoises and flowers. She's a walking explosion of brightness. With giggles abound, it's clear that the girls have had a wonderful time together. Holly is surprised by Dorothy's chortle, wondering if she's ever even heard a St. Olaf story. Oh, she has, just ones that are not funny. Rose sort of welcomes the girls and asks about their day, which was wonderful. And the fun is going to continue as they have tickets for a show tonight. Thinking Rose would be unable to go, Holly only got tickets for herself, Blanche, and Dorothy. Dorothy offers her ticket, but Rose refuses. She wants them to go, and she'll just meet up after. With a shrug, Holly leaves to Rose's room, where I'm assuming she's staying. Frustrated, Rose can see the symptoms of her toxic relationship with her sister. She is purposefully leaving Rose out, saying she wasn't at the office, not getting her a ticket. It's all being done on purpose. With how much fun they've all had and how easy it is to explain the miscommunications, Dorothy and Blanche quickly get to gaslighting her. Understanding a difficult sister dynamic, Blanche tells the story of the time her sister Virginia would not talk to her for over a month just because Blanche smiled at Virginia's boyfriend. Okay, she smiled at him while skinny dipping. Well, she was skinny dipping in the bathtub on his property. In his bathroom, actually. With him in it. And she smiled because they were playing with the bubbles on each other's naked, wet bodies, just as Virginia walked in on them. So it's almost a good example, but not really. There isn't even really a point. Blanche just likes telling it. Once again, doing her nails at the sofa, Blanche, inspired by Holly's outfit, is in all bright yellow. With Blanche being the only party privy to the Dreyfus situation, Sophia, in a dark blue dress and black sweater, is happy to show her the dog in her company. Knowing there was no way Sophia found Dreyfus on her own, Blanche wants to know what she has done. And what she has done has saved her keister. After going another night without any sighting of Dreyfus, Sophia went to the pet store, and they just so happened to have a St. Bernard Golden Retriever mix, so she bought it. Okay, I suppose that's great in theory for about two seconds. I know I've met other cats or dogs that look similar to mine, but I feel like in a room of lookalikes, I would be able to find my pet because of their personality. Drive! Come on, what's wrong? Do you think you could do that? Room full of... Cloned dogs, not actually cloned, but yeah, definitely one million percent. Yeah, I know that dog's tummy, like <laughs> the back of my hand. I've given a, a little tummy a lot of kisses. Ours is just so misshapen. It's she unnatural. Has short legs in the front, long legs in the back. Her long trunk neck. is twice as long as it should be, and four feet of neck, a tiny head, juicy booty, and massive shoulder muscles, and dragon claws, and a bubblegum tortilla belly. It's true. And she's a beauty. 
The other hiccup with this plan is that Blanche did have a sighting of Dreyfus. He came back to the house. Depending on what day it is now, maybe Monday, Sophia is in a real pickle because the shop is closed and will not be opening again until next Monday, or at least in a few days. Hearing Dorothy call for help to get groceries, Sophia is in a panic. Scampering to her room, she grabs both dogs and tucks them away. All the while, Blanche is trying to tell her that she has something to tell her, when she could have just told her. What Blanche is worried about is that once the identical dogs are in the same room, and since she doesn't really know the dogs, how is Sophia going to tell them apart? Something Sophia had not considered. Going in to help put the groceries away, Blanche finds Dorothy in an open blue and green blouse over a white turtleneck and tan pants already at work. Right behind her, Rose comes in from the secret hidden back door, and she's as red as her dress. As Dorothy quickly puts the food away so they can meet Holly at the movies, Rose is explaining that the reason she didn't meet them for lunch was because Holly gave bogus directions. Which begs the question, why does Holly, the visitor to Miami, have to give directions for a place in a city she doesn't live? Dismissing her friend once again, the girls will not believe that Holly is doing any of this on purpose. Dorothy is not interested in Rose's conspiracy theory and asks her to get over it so they can get going to the movie, a movie Rose knows nothing about. To make a point of how mad she is, Rose refuses to go, since she wasn't invited and all. This is too much for Dorothy, and she sternly tells Rose to get over her rivalry or whatever this is and to realize that they enjoy Holly's company, and she should too. With that, they are off to the movies. This episode aired on April Fool's Day, 1989. Some of the top films in the theater. This is very exciting. Criminal Law, Loverboy, Moontrap, True Blood, House 3, The Horror Show, Baywatch, Panic at Malibu Pier, K-9, starring the other Belushi. There's no way that Baywatch movie was in a theater. Was it in a theater? I don't, I'm just on movie phone, I'm April so 1989. Sorry. I don't so know what to sorry. tell you. Bionic Showdown with Lee Majors and Lindsay Wagner and Sandra Bullock. Oh, my God. Do you know what the tagline to Bionic Showdown is no. now Now that she got famous? Mm-mm. Bullock goes bionic. Their bionic powers brought them together. And now the power of love may unite them forever. Please hear me out, Jamie. But suddenly, terrorists steal their bionic secret. And not even the special powers of a female cyborg can save them. That's not possible. Prepare yourself for the all-new world premiere. Bionic Showdown Sunday. Sounds of Silence and Field of Dreams. Isn't that a horrible time? Yeah, it is. Um, Most specifically, as I may have mentioned on this program before, this is like the exact time that my parents got divorced. It's like It's a bad time. It's right, literally right now in my life. (laughs) Spring of 89. I'm driving away with mom. I got my my guinea pig in its cage on my lap, and I'm confused. (laughs) Moving in with grandma. Oh, how's it going? I'll be hell. And it was. And now I don't talk to my mom. <laughs> it's great. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Everyone is playing fast and loose with the kitchen door. It's the only thing separating Blanche, who just left, from Holly, who is on the couch necking with Gary. Without saying a word, Rose backs into the kitchen, unsure of how to proceed or how to get to her room. Back from the picture and now joined by Sophia, Dorothy is offering Blanche a slice of cheesecake. 
She passes, which has Dorothy concerned, as recently Blanche has been eating like a bird. That phrase has always been used to describe someone just pecking at little bites of their food, but birds eat as much as half of their weight in a day. Sophia agrees that Blanche has been eating like a bird, a bird-like pterodactyl monster Rodan from the Godzilla series of films. When he moves, the whole earth quivers and quakes, and an abyss of horror opens up. See these prehistoric beasts emerge from the bowels of the earth after 200 million years to devastate mankind. Finding the girls, Rose wants to talk to them. Blanche knows Rose's problem is that she buys the bargain box of hair dye. When Rose says the problem is about Holly, Blanche is confused because Holly's hair isn't the color of a yellow snack cake. Despite the bullying, Rose persists, but Blanche and Dorothy do not want to hear anything about any of it. They both really like Holly, and they can't see the behaviors that Rose seems to be experiencing. They have chosen Holly's side, and they are not going to hear otherwise. Left behind, Sophia is willing to hear Rose's problem. Rose doesn't see the point since no one believes her, but Sophia, as a Sicilian, can tell two things, when someone is being honest and when someone has changed their fingerprints. Not a pretty process. With that, Sophia promises that she will believe her. Rose gets it out. She caught Holly smooching with Gary on the couch. Without hesitation, Sophia does not believe Rose. Persistent, Rose swears on her mother's grave, a mother she was very close with who we have met but I guess passed away without getting her own episode. Believing Rose, Sophia starts to process what she's been told, pointing out that there are a lot of difficult elements, love, sex, friendship, honesty, trust. Seeking advice, Rose needs to know what she should do. Sophia reminds her that Greek philosopher Socrates, who is best known for philosophies such as a life left unexamined is a life not worth living, spent his life trying to understand these things. And as a third grade educated immigrant, Sophia just needs a moment to digest this information. This reminds her of what her uncle Carlo used to say, honesty is the best policy. But he died poor and with an alcohol addiction, so did it really help him out? Being an honest man and a tattler after my own heart, he was so honest that he told police about the license plate number on the car that carried the gunman that carried out the Sanducci vendetta. Oh. So maybe he shouldn't have been so honest. Rose interprets the story as stay out of Holly's business. Since everyone has discounted her word anyway, why try to protect them? She should leave it be and they can learn the hard way. The point isn't Sophia's best work, but it'll do. In exchange for her advice, Sophia needs advice from Rose. Explaining what happened with the dogs, she needs her farming experience to help her determine which dog is which. Going through the secret door to the unknown, Sophia and Rose end up in the garage slash mink breeding slash storage room. There, two matching dogs lie on the concrete. Rose is excited to get double the Dreyfus, but that's the problem. Sophia asks if Rose has any idea how they can tell them apart. Utilizing her farming knowledge, Rose does have an idea. She's not sure that it'll work, but she'll give it a good try. Looking at the dogs, Rose leans down and sweetly calls for Dreyfus. Dreyfus, the dog on the right, quickly gets up and runs to her. Solving Sophia's problem with a, this one is Dreyfus, Sophia is perplexed. Perhaps about why she never thought of doing that, or maybe she's just concerned that Rose was able to solve a problem she couldn't. Coming home from some fabulous outing, Dorothy, dressed in her newest outfit from the substitute teacher fashion catalog, 
a cream blouse, the flowing necktie, and a sleeveless dress of black and tan to go over it, all draping atop. Flesh boot sighting! She's surprised that Blanche in a pink and yellow ensemble is so calm. Usually when a guy cancels right before a date, as her sweet Gary has done, she's a wreck. She's not upset, though, because it all makes sense. Gary's mother needed emergency surgery. Even though the procedure to remove her gallbladder was only five hours, the restaurant they were supposed to go to would not hold their reservation. So she has no choice but to be understanding. Coming through the living room in a very long, bright blue robe with white trim is Holly, and she is quite surprised to see the girls home so early. Holly's just having a night at the home because apparently she just lives there now. Outing her not-so-quiet activities is Dreyfus, who comes wandering in with a pair of men's khakis from the gap in his mouth. Realizing they're a pair of men's pants, Blanche is delighted to see that she and Holly have being sex-positive in common. When the man who has lost his pants enters the room, we see that that is not the only thing they share. Dreyfus, is there something you want to tell me? Right away, we see just how scuzzy Gary is, and I'm not talking about his very starched boxers. The good news is he didn't lie. His mother is having surgery. The bad news is he canceled the date so he could fool around with Holly. Holly wants to explain herself, but Blanche is not interested. She knows the story, two ships lost in the night crossing paths. She knows that story because she's usually the one telling the story. When Rose comes home, she sees that everyone is gathered around the pantsless Gary. She doesn't need Dorothy to tell her it's all out in the open, causing Gary to hide his shame behind the chair. When he tries to get his pants from Dreyfus, he nearly loses a hand. So without pants or dignity, Gary makes a quick exit out of the door and out of Blanche's life. Dreyfus! 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 Dreyfus to the rescue! Dreyfus, are you kidding? Asking to have a moment with her sister, the Lindstroms are having it out in the kitchen. Holly doesn't want to hear it from her big sister, but she's gonna. Embarrassed and ashamed, Holly just wants to leave and never return. Even if she doesn't like her, Rose doesn't want her to just walk away. Holly came through her life and uprooted her self-esteem and relationships, and now she's just gonna leave? Rose doesn't want Holly to say sorry. She wants her to explain why she did everything she did, from ditching to Gary. Holly's behavior of being, well, a jackass is totally confusing to Rose. Holly doesn't think it should be. As the elder, Rose set the bar so high as far as being nice and being a good friend, Holly couldn't compete. Rose sees it as Holly never trying to keep the friends that she did have. She was always narcissistic, selfish, and manipulative. For years, Rose felt bad for not being closer with her sister, but she always made it hard with her choices sleeping with friends, boyfriends, leaving people out of things. Instead of trying to make it right or forgiving her sister for what she did, Rose sets up some beautiful boundaries. She would like for them to be friends someday, but it'll take Holly getting her crap together and making an effort to be Rose's friend for that to happen. Rose then tells her sister goodbye, and Holly disappears into the night. Hearing everything that went down, the girls are on the couch waiting to be a listening or supportive ear for Rose, but she doesn't need it. She feels better now that everything is out. Realizing that they too have been jackasses, Blanche begs Rose's forgiveness. On a kick of setting boundaries, Rose agrees, but only if they agree that they will believe her when she says someone isn't nice or if she tells them something that they aren't interested in hearing. 
hoping to take a mile from the inch they're giving. She also hopes that they'll believe her when she claims that her pig Lester was able to make accurate Oscar predictions. That's a caveat Dorothy cannot agree with. Rose is fine with that, and she forgives them. After seeing Harry has returned home, Sophia comes in to get Dreyfus. Wanting to support Sophia, Blanche asks Dorothy if having Dreyfus around was as bad as she had expected. It wasn't. It was actually pretty unnoticeable. Sarcastically, Sophia agrees with just how easy it was. Calling out for him, Sophia starts to worry when after the second and third Dreyfus is ignored, Dorothy even laughs off. It's like he doesn't even know his name. With a nervous laugh, Sophia jokes it off and grabs the dog by the collar. They might need to swing by the pet store before going back to Harry's. Of course, it don't surprise me that they're all in there overlooking the obvious, but frankly, Dreyfus, what does confound me is I thought you had better sense. Coco, I think we agree this is kind of a mediocre episode. I thought it was pretty middle of the road, and I thought it was another one that felt like it was two scripts kind of mashed together. They each could have been their own thing, I think. I don't know. They always need like a subplot, but they seem kind of, I don't know, equal and equal. And it also is kind of repetitive. We've had siblings come, and I don't know that anyone gets along except for Blanche and Clayton, but they had to overcome him coming out. And we've already had the boyfriend made a pass and you didn't believe me. So it would have been really nice to see three years later that they had learned a lesson from that and were quick to be more supportive or more believing. Yeah. And just sweep that dude away. Yeah. Be like, oh yeah, this has already happened before and I believe you over this person we just met. They tend to do that a lot. Is it just because they're always annoyed with her? Maybe. Well, I mean, they do it to each other. All of them do it to each other where it's like, well, actually, I just met this person and I'm going to have to believe them completely instead of you. So, yeah, I don't know. Are they too close of friends that it's like family and you're like, oh, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. Those, I mean, I feel like those are their real sisters or siblings. Yeah. Each other. That's true. That's a very good point. You don't have to put up with a sister that doesn't treat you right when we have other sisters that treat you a little less not right. Chosen family. Yeah, I like those. Once again, the girls are being forced to learn the lesson of trusting their friend. Why must they keep being taught this? As they deal with that, we as viewers can admire the displays of gaslighting and holding boundaries. If someone ever says gaslighting isn't real or gaslighting is a new made-up thing, just show them the moment that Rose is explaining that her sister gave bad directions and didn't invite her to the movie and the girl's reaction, denying her proof, feelings, and perception. They can still like Holly while also taking a step back to see how her behavior might be legitimately affecting Rose. Speaking of Rose, kudos to her for giving such a beautiful, albeit difficult, example of setting boundaries with ones you love. She presented the problem, explained why it hurt her, pointed out exact actions done by Holly and what her expectation is for moving forward in a relationship. She put the ball in Holly's court, saying that she would need to figure her stuff out before they could ever reconnect, and doing so would need to come from Holly. Family is family, but family does not mean you have to be around them if they cause negative feelings. Holly lied, cheated, and excluded. Sisters or not, Rose does not want that energy in her life, and she's entitled to keeping it out of it. She's not a bad person for doing so either. She isn't saying that she hates Holly or never wants to see her again. Just as Coco and I have experienced in the past few years with loved ones, 
Setting a boundary is not to punish or to be mean. It's to say, I am trying to be and feel better in my own life, and I want to see the same for you. Perhaps examining the behaviors that cause relationship strain will lead to a healthier, happier life for all parties. Good for you, Rose. Boundaries are not easy to set or hold, but they're for the best for everyone. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Be sure to join us next week when we will talk about breakouts and rapping grannies with Sophia's Choice. Smooching on my sister. Looks like one of the villains in Smooth Criminal, the video. <laughs> Ready to be leaning over in those All the way. Shoes. All the way over. <laughs> he looks like he bought his outfit on November 1st from the spirit store under the name, what what would be like a fake Sopranos, like New Jersey Gangman. Bada boom gangster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Between age and the... <clears throat> Hello? So she's like laying the baby down to sleep. I don't know if it's two minutes into the she movie. She prays the Lord it's soul to keep. <laughs> Los Angeles Dodgers. Los Angeles Dodgers? So many S's. I feel crazy. You could say LA Dodgers. People usually just. Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, you're, not, you're not an announcer. You could say. <laughs> Welcome. We've got the San Diego Padres here with the Los Angeles Dodgers. First baseman Steve Garvey taking a plate. America's pastime. <laughs> that nobody watches anymore. Uh, Hot dog. <laughs> Warm beer. <laughs> that you will spill after you spent $15 oh, on it. definitely. Right down the back of the person in front of you. Because the seats are too tight. They're too close together. Why are my feet on your shoulders? Why am I sitting in this chair and my legs are completely spread? And my knees are to my ears. Doesn't uh. work. What was Throb? It was like very normal for what its name was. It was a sitcom about, I think, the, the workings of like a small um, record company. Oh, my God. Throb Records. That's right. Or something like that. Throb Sound, yeah. No. Throb, throb, That's just throb, not a fun throb, word. Throb, throb. It's a sensual word. It's a visceral word. It's not fun. Is throb the is throb the new moist? It makes it makes you think of a specific thing. Mm -hmm. The word throb to get over her rivalry. Rivalry. Lee Majors. I got a rude dude, but I don't like to be a rude dude. <laughs> you were smooching with my brother. Uh, my juice is repeating. Walking on his hind legs. Well, it could be draped over like his back. Like a little butler, man. It could be draped <laughs> over his back. I'm going to say that the dog's name is Richard in the show. Richard and Dreyfus. That's really fun. Thank you. I like that. Doesn't Richard Dreyfus kind of look like a dog? Yeah. I think so, too. He could definitely be one of those guys in a calendar of... He looks like Droopy like... Dog to me. <laughs> in a calendar? What are we talking? No, like when people are like, I, my dog and I have turned into each other. Oh, sure. And then they take pictures. The dogs do? That's amazing. It's incredible. Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my sister.